Coming to you from USL headquarters, this is Steal Some Time. Here's the USL's Kelsey Steele. Episode 21 is here. Welcome on in to Steal Some Time. I'm your host, Kelsey Steele, joined by Scott Stewart and Matt Calvo. You guys, we made it. Week 33 is here. Before we get to it, though, we have got to talk about week 32. And uh, this past weekend, I know, Scott, you were on hand for uh, Tampa Bay and Indy 11. How how was that match? I hear the atmosphere was really great. At yeah, LA. yeah, great attendance, um, high energy. I think that, you know, it was one of those where both sides wanted to win. So naturally, neither of them did. Um, but yeah, naturally, it, they, they <laughs> took it down. It was it was a good atmosphere, really good showing. Um, proud of the Rowdies. See, that's a big one-one draw too. Yeah. Uh, over on my side of things this weekend, I was a little bit uh, uh, outside the box, uh, considered to where normally where I'm a little bit more tuned in. So I was back home in Cincinnati with family this weekend. I did have one moment where um, I was going for a run. It was like 70 degrees and beautiful, you know. And um, I, it's like four miles, and I, I don't see a single car. And I'm like, okay, that's. It's extremely rural Ohio right there for you. Um, and then at one point, the leaves are falling. I get a whiff of cow manure. And then I see a nat- empty Natty Light beer can on the ground. And I'm like, there has not been a more rural Cincinnati, Ohio picturesque <laughs> moment than this right here. I was like, I am not in Tampa Bay any longer. I love um, it. So- Does this count as our... Kelsey grew up on the farm reference. Yeah, of the day. it's <laughs> our farm class. Our, our, our farm reference of the day. So I'm happy to be back. Um, obviously, a lot of headlines coming out of week 32 and, and honestly, a lot of confusion. I think this was a week where we expected uh, a lot of teams to capitalize on opportunities. And for the most part, didn't happen. Uh, we saw Ottawa and the Monarchs clinch their spots on Tuesday and Wednesday. So they're officially in. But where we had a lot of teams have the opportunity to clinch or nearly clinch uh over the weekend it did not happen scott um, what was your message last week to teams somebody just win just win why does no one listen to you scott uh because that would make no sense so this week should we slide the pod into like everybody's dms we'll, we'll maybe yeah. like them then they'll get the really message. just the teams that need to win like hey i know you have one game left maybe you should like win that one <laughs> I know you can hear me. Yeah. I think it's clear by now at this point how many people actually listen to, pay attention to whatever is said on this podcast. Dude, into the void, but I'm here for the void because look at what it's done to all these teams around the playoff line, you know? Yeah. I mean, and speaking of what it's done, we've got to talk about St. Louis and uh, just once again in those final moments conceding. Uh, a, a late goal and it just it seems to be just a, a real storyline with this club this year um, they're completely outshot by Pittsburgh 15 to 5 and I will give uh, St. Louis's back line all the credit because there were goal line clearance after goal line clearance on uh, on Saturday night and, and I just there there were so many moments where they really really rose to the occasion yeah. and, and I think it just it came down to Steven Dos Santos just doing what he does best. Uh, he's, he scores in the 88th minute. That's his 10th of the year. And I think one thing you need to take out of that piece from Pittsburgh is the presence of Joe Greenspan. 
and the difference that he makes on the field. When he is involved, whether it's a set piece or a corner, you know, whatever it may be, he is such a difference maker. Because he he got a little a piece of that, and then Dos Santos obviously knocks it in. But, I mean, he is just – he's such a distraction, and he has such a big body that when it comes to these set pieces, he, he's just such a disturbance for the defense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's got to be one of the front runners for defender of the year. But – um, his presence on set pieces is certainly felt. I mean, we saw him nag there, nab the goal against Memphis um, just a few weeks ago. And obviously, anytime you got a guy who's like 6'4 and is like your most dominant center back, then you're going to have to pay attention to where he is. And it uh, doesn't help that Steven Dos Santos is also just huge. So Pittsburgh, once again, taking advantage of, of set pieces and, and dead ball restarts and Obviously, it paid off for them just a little bit later than I'm sure they would have wanted. This is the fourth game winner in Pitt's 10-game unbeaten streak. That's yeah. really impressive, showing right now that the Riverhounds are able to pull something together when it matters most. And at this point, when you're moving into playoff scenarios in this 2019 postseason, if you're a back line or a head coach and you're looking at the system here, how do you account for – Nico Brett and Steven Dos Santos at, at that top. I mean, whether they're in the nine, you know, moving a little bit back and forth. I mean, that's scary. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's difficult, right? Because you have different threats on different side, like different sides of the ball. And we talk about their ability to produce from set pieces, but you also have the Nico Bretts, the Cornardo Forbeses, who can create something out of nothing. I mean, Cornardo Forbes has been known to just show up and all of a sudden he looks up 26, 30 yards out from goal has a pop and finds the top corner. Seen so, that time and time again. Exactly. He's got his spot. Exactly. And and Pittsburgh's very aware of their circumstances. I think that's probably what makes them one of the more difficult teams to approach in general is they can hit you from just about anywhere. You know what areas to key in on. It's more just a question of how can we actually stop them on these areas. So a lot of uh, a lot of postseason momentum for Pittsburgh rolling in, and I think that they're obviously going to look to capitalize that this weekend. And, of course, momentum is something that St. Louis just can't get a hold of at this moment. They're four points away from a, a, a bid in the postseason. What's crazy is you have Birmingham, St. Louis, Charleston, all uh, suffering defeats in Week 32. So there's a little bit of wiggle room here, luckily for them. But, I mean, four points away, if they would have – at least just gotten a point would have helped this scenario a little bit better for them. Instead, they move into week 33 with just pressure on and it's it's their the work's cut out for them and I and we'll get into the postseason scenarios a little bit more in the podcast but St. Louis obviously not doing themselves any favors in week 32 elsewhere in week 32 though Eastern Conference play is just a really interesting place to be we have three Eastern Conference teams that are on three game win streaks Scott do you do you know the top of the three uh offhand Charlotte yep Loudon yep the Ville. The, the Ville. City. The Ville, which is probably the only one you would have known. It was just like, I find that funny that that's not the club that you yeah, named right, right away. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, so a very interesting combo. Obviously, um, Charlotte and Loudon's postseason aspirations are not in the same category as Nashville's at the moment. Um, but you've got a, a, a Loudon side that uh, – has it has an interesting run of form going at the moment, and uh, they've got that that big win over St. Louis, and um, you know they had that one over Tampa Bay, and I mean they are single handedly keeping Eastern Conference sides from clinching at the moment. If you go back into March, would you have ever in a million years thought that 
you'd see Loudon in the form that they are right now. Yeah, I think they're a difficult team to to look at, right? Because they've they've had a lot of um, I don't want to say roster turnover, but they've made some additions that have obviously been game changers. They've gone through the coaching change. I think for them, one thing we looked at earlier in the season was their back half of the season was so overloaded. They had so many more games than the rest of teams. I think like halfway through the season, Loudon had played like 14 games when everyone else had played like 17, 18, 19. So we knew the opportunity existed for them to play spoiler. Even back then, you look at their loss against Nashville and their loss against Pittsburgh, and that kind of falls in line with how you expected them. But then, like you just mentioned, the win over Tampa Bay is huge. They played spoiler against St. Louis, who can't find footing. And then right now they are the team that has kept Charleston out of the running right now as they sit just below the playoff line. Still in their hands, but again, Loudon an opportunity to do the same thing this weekend when New York comes to town. So it's just like, I don't know if anyone would have ever seen this coming in terms of how influential they are at this stage in the season, especially out of the playoff race. But it just goes to show that even when you're eliminated, teams like Loudon still find something to play for. You think at this point that you, if you're Loudon, you're, you're the fan base, you know, coaching system, whatever it may be, are you optimistic because now you're looking at 2020? Or, you know, is there a part of you that's kind of like, what could have been, you know, if we had all these pieces in place back in March, you know, is, is this a missed opportunity? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good point. Honestly. Um, I think that it's difficult for teams like Loudon when they don't know who's going to be available week in and week out. And you have seen some players play for Loudon that have just been unbelievable. However, you can't rely on that consistency for all 34 games, just the fact that that roster is not set every single week for you. So I think, yes, cautiously optimistic, probably, where you can say, okay, we can build on some of these incredible results and in a good end of the season. But also, it just goes to show the difficulties in navigating that space in particular. Talk about navigating. You know, it's not a easy place to be navigating right now. It's that Western Conference. Mm. And uh, we've said it time and time again this entire season that it's just an absolute um, confusion, just just a ball of confusion there between the uh, the fourth through the, the 14th spot. And, and here we are again. Um, and this time it's a different headline rather than the middle of the pack because we're coming into week 33 with Phoenix Rising coming off of a loss at home, which is something that this side has not been accustomed to in 2019. Um, all of the credit in the world goes to the Monarchs, and you know they were able to capitalize the moments that, that mattered most. Um, you have Ben Spencer, on the other hand, for Phoenix, who I believe right now has been a major catalyst in this rising side, because if you look at his last five games, this is – this is a kid that has four goals in his last five games who has really come on and come into his own. And, um, you know, there's been conversations, I think, with Phoenix where it's like, where's Adam John been? He's been so quiet, you know. Um, where's Junior Flemings? You know, Solomon Asante hasn't been himself the last few games. But I, I feel like if you're Phoenix, that's just – that's the good thing about them. Mm. You know, that's what makes them so dangerous is they can literally call upon anyone at any given time. And right now it's Ben Spencer's time and he's rising to the occasion and, um, you know, he had in that equalizer and really had Phoenix into it to, to the very end, you know. So it's um, – I don't know if, if you're Phoenix – 
do you kind of feel like this loss was necessary? You know, do you you go into the the postseason and and look at your scenarios now, and you're like, okay, we can kind of go in with like a fresh slate here. There's no pressure. There there's no win streak pressure here. You're gonna you know cap off the year with dollar beer night and uh, and move it. I mean, how, how would you look into this, Scott? Mm. Ben Spencer, former Indy 11 Loney in their inaugural season, so a familiar name to to those of us who have been around. There it is. There it is. Um, I wouldn't say necessary just because you already took that L that ended the win streak, right? And right. I, I feel like at that point you're like, okay, that was the one. I think that if, if we're going down that road, though, this is definitely like one of those reinvigorating yes. losses where you're just like, all right, so the win streak's gone, and then you drop it in stoppage time to Monarchs, and you're like, all right we're done. Like it's almost like a fuel to the fire in some ways. So I, again, I, I hate to use the term necessary because I just think Phoenix is, is just going to brush this one off and look to go full steam ahead into the final game of the regular season, looking to set the points and wins record. And they've got that opportunity against OKC. But yeah, I think that this is just another one where maybe you're, you're upsetting the sleeping giant. That's, that's, Maybe not necessarily sleeping, but um, certainly disgruntled at this point. You've you've pushed a couple of the wrong buttons. I will say too, it was by no means a bad performance no. on Phoenix's part. No. You know, completely outshot the Monarchs. Um, you know, I think they had twenty four shots. Six of them were on goal. To be honest, it was just a very, very costly mistake by Zach Lubin there in stoppage time. But that's what I like about Phoenix, though. You look back, the, the Fresno loss and the New Mexico draw and even the the most recent loss against Monarchs, none of them bad performances. Right. It's just either been, in the case of like Lubin, an unfortunate error or even the Fresno loss, some um, some circumstances where the ball just didn't bounce your way. Phoenix has not played poorly since I don't know when. March, maybe? April? So that's the thing that still has to sort of, in the back of your mind, if you're facing Phoenix, yes, it looks like they might have stumbled taking four points out of their last four games. They're still playing really, really well. Stumbled but not falling. Phoenix Rising, they're just fine, and they'll have their final dollar beer night of the year. I mean, as far as we know of that it's planned right now, of final dollar of <laughs> the regular season um, on Friday in week 33. Elsewhere, though, in the Western Conference, we have got to talk about Ever Guzman and uh, the record-setting performance he had against Portland in week 32. He records the first ever hat trick for San Antonio in club history. And Scott and I were talking about this earlier and we were like, how has San Antonio not had a hat trick at this <laughs> point in time with the people that they've had in their system? I mean, it's it's honestly quite impressive. Um, so, so Guzman does that, plays the hero and honestly comes off with a big time win um, for, for San Antonio. And they... They now have 42 points. I mean, they need four points to clinch at this at this point in time. I think that this is a, a San Antonio club that kept their playoff hopes alive in week 32. And and we talked about it. It was a it must win for both sides. And for San Antonio to come out of the 4-3 win, um, I, I think it is more than impressive. And Scott, for me, when I look at Ever Guzman's performance, it pegs a question as maybe a, a maybe more of a sports fan than somebody who works in the industry. He had an incredible chip. I think it was his mm. second goal. Mm-hmm. Um, just just beautiful. So for you, what do you think is more impressive? A chip like that 
or a one-touch volley off of a set piece? Hmm. I think anytime you hit something on the first time asking, that's probably going to take the cake. It's just it, when it comes to like lifting the ball over the goalkeeper, obviously there are a lot of factors like where you're at, the speed in which the ball's already rolling, the position of the goalkeeper, you know, what what angle of loft you need to get the ball at. I think regardless though, this was maybe the most impressive San Antonio performance purely from a we needed the result, we went out and got the result type. And the fact that Ever Guzman was behind it, this guy just cooked. He cooked. And I don't think Portland necessarily like San Antonio had established themselves, and I think Portland did really well to claw back to make it four three, but the fact that San Antonio went four up or four one up rather, I think Portland maybe just needed like ten more minutes. And they might have found an equalizer, but San Antonio getting the job done. I'm probably going to go with the volley, though, honestly, the the first-time volley. I think that's fair. And we've been hard on San Antonio. We, we've really not cut them any slack the on, on this show. The only team that needed to get the win, or at least the only team that did win when they needed to get it, it is now time to repay San Antonio. You did your jobs. On top of that, on the road, which they mm-hmm. have not been good on this mm-hmm. year either. So kudos to them. They keep their playoff hopes alive. In week 33, they will finally figure out uh, where their fate lies and uh, destiny will take control. So week 32 was a, was a fun one, and we move into week 33. And uh, before we do that, though, I am super excited about our guest on the show today because while the championship postseason's on the horizon, League One, it's in full swing. So the first ever League One final is this Saturday, October 19th, as North Texas hosts the Greenville Triumph. So we thought... Who better to weigh in on the historic weekend than the League One expert herself, Sarah Cardamone, and now before her time with the League Office, Sarah spent, I believe, five seasons with the Charleston Battery, so she knows this league, she knows the game, and uh, now Sarah serves as a communications and PR manager for League One, but to be frank, she honestly just does it all. She's a rock star for that league, so stick around, because when we come back, Sarah Cardamone is going to hop in the studio. Hey everybody, this is Matt Van Okel of the Birmingham Legion, and we are here with Steel Sometime. All right, we're back on in to Steel Sometime, and I want to apologize first. You see, Sarah sits directly across the room that we record this podcast in, so she spent the last 21 weeks or so just listening to Scott scream at each other. Um, So Sarah, on behalf of Stu and I, thank you for still associating with us (laughs) at our worst and uh, jumping on the pod today to talk a little League One action. Absolutely. It's super fun to be on this side of the wall, (laughs) involved in the conversation as opposed to overhearing it, but I'm a... A devoted listener, so I've listened to all the podcasts, so I know I know the vibe. Sarah's the number one fan. <laughs> <laughs> Super appreciated. Yeah. We have one. <laughs> Listen, give us kind of an overview of this inaugural season. Um, you know, you came in at, at the beginning of the season, so you, if anyone kind of knows from start to finish what this looked like. So, you know, what, how did we get to this point? Yeah, I think it was a really, really incredible first year, honestly, and very exciting. There was tons of parity in the league. Everyone was kind of involved in the playoff race up until the final two weeks of the season, apart from, you know, maybe one or two teams at the bottom of the table. Um, and and apart from the top team, everyone was kind of fighting for those top four spots. Um, North Texas started off really strong and won six of their first seven games and kind of never really looked back and won the, won the regular season by 10 points. 
Um, and then and then the six or seven teams below them really fought it out until the end, which I think made for a really exciting first season for for fans. So for you, North Texas being in this you know last game of, of the season, it's no surprise. Yeah, I mean. I think just they just had something from the beginning that some of the other teams kind of started a little bit slower and their fast start really just gave them a step up and gave them an advantage for the rest of the season. They just kind of started on the front foot and it they've been the class of the league since day one, really. What were some of the highlights for you from the season? Um, for me personally, I mean, at the beginning of the season, I think it was Ricardo Pepe mania. And I think <laughs> all we heard, <laughs> yeah. I swear, every day in the office, it felt like it was something new from right. Ricardo Pepe. And coming from a, a USL championship club, I was kind of used to hearing a lot of players being hyped up. And then, you know, you see the player play and you're like, OK, I mean, he's decent, but he's not all world. So coming into the League One season, I was like, what is all this hype about this Ricardo Pepe kid? And then he goes and scores a hat trick in the first in the club's first game. He's 16 years old, like a fresh 16. He turned 16 on January 1st and scored a hat trick in his first professional game on like April 1st. So that was definitely a highlight and just kind of watching him tear it up and then sign a contract with the first team was was pretty incredible. And now he's getting called into the under 17 World Cup team, which is a great story for, for League One. He kind of used the league as a launch pad. Um, and then another great moment for me, obviously, going all the way back was the the inaugural game. I just think it was it was awesome. Sellout crowd in Statesboro, Georgia for T Tormenta versus Greenville. And then Tormenta grabs the the late game winning goal, which was a an awesome awesome moment for the league's first club. Tormenta was the league's first club, so it was awesome to see them come in and, and snag a win there. Tormenta's been interesting too because they were a club that was in League Two and, and kind of made that push up. So that's really interesting too from like the USL standpoint. It's you know there've been a, quite a few new clubs in the league, of course, um, but from the Tormenta standpoint, it seemed like they had a really incredible fan base out there as well, kind of following what they were, were doing out there in Georgia. Absolutely, and Statesboro is is a smaller town and it's. Super super tight knit. And the owner of Tormenta, Darren Van Tassel, is kind of like the unofficial mayor of Statesboro. So everybody knows Darren and everybody wants to come out and support him. So watching the club make the jump from League Two to League One, I, I'm sure was a huge moment for him. Um, and they kept 10, 10 League Two players on their roster for League One and signed them to professional contracts. And they were again in the race until until the last weekend. So it was that was another another big moment for for USL as a whole, really. Yeah, that's that's super exciting. And for people who haven't kept up with League One, give us give us an insight here. What do you think fans should be looking out for for on the on this championship game on on uh, Saturday? Yeah, I mean to put it simply, it's the the best attack in the league versus the best defense in the league. So North Texas is the highest scoring team in the league by far, by some margin. They're paced by Ronaldo Damas, who is the Golden Boot winner. Um, and then Ricardo Pepe, we don't know if he's available, but um, they kind of have this three-headed monster with those two players. And then Arturo Rodriguez, who kind of pulls the strings in, in behind those two players. And he's kind of flown under the radar, but he really is the one that makes the team tick and kind of has has an eye for the final pass and just has a knack for making the final pass. Um, so he's definitely a player to watch on North Texas. Um, and and he'll, he'll be creating a lot of chances. He leads the league in chances created and assists. And then on the other side, Greenville, led by John Harks, is just a dominant defensive team. They've given up 22 goals in 29 games, which is incredible. Dallas Jay is the Golden Golden Glove leader or Golden Glove winner, as you would expect when you only give up 22 goals in a season. Um, and he just has a really incredible back four in front of him that's that's kind of led by ca their captain, Tyler Pollock. Um, so it really is kind of like the unstoppable 
force versus the immovable object is that the, is that the term right is that the phrase I love that <laughs> yeah so it's yeah um that that's something to look out for and then North Texas only lost one game at home this whole season and it was to Greenville granted North Texas played down a man for 70 minutes but that's That'll that's that's another storyline to just <laughs> to just keep your eye on they may be out for revenge but Greenville also knows how to win in Frisco so and they've and they've demonstrated that so we're talking about the possibility of a a golden boot versus golden glove winner clash here that's it. Yeah. In, the, in the final <laughs> I mean what better storyline can you have exactly it's like it was written in the stars for us <laughs> I love it Sarah where can uh, when and how and where can people tune in to the game on Saturday the Saturday the game is on Saturday October 19th at 6 p.m. on ESPN Plus. Uh, Scott Stewart's just giving me the thumbs up on the window outside. <laughs> Distracted me. That vote of community, <laughs> confidence from Scott Stewart. <laughs> I love it. ESPN Plus, you guys, Saturday. Do not miss it. It's going to be a good one. The first ever final for League One, and it's it's only upward from here, and it sounds like it's going to be a heck of a showdown, too. Yeah, we're really excited. Ready, ready it, for the game. And Sarah and I will both be on site and Matt. It's, it's going to be a, a party in North Texas. We're, we're amped up about it. Absolutely. Follow Kelsey's Instagram story for all of the restaurants that we visit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we take that. Do not take that lightly whatsoever. <laughs> we'll come back with the power rankings next week. <laughs> yes, love it. Sarah, appreciate you hopping on, talk a little bit of League One, and uh, looking forward to seeing how Saturday shakes out. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a great time. This is Josh Sugg from New Mexico United, and you're listening to Steal Some Time. History is on its way. Be sure to tune in to this League One final this weekend. A really exciting time for the league, and super appreciative for Sarah to uh, stop in and shed some insight. I mean, she's ser- seriously a rock star. I mean, it's it's really difficult, Scott, you know, to, to do all of these jobs at once and really balance all that workload. And I mean, between doing social and comms and everything, you know better than anyone that it's by no means an easy task. And um, Sarah does it quite well. And um, so we're appreciative to have her inside the room for once for instead of uh, listening to us from the <laughs> from the outside. So um, let's get into our, our favorite pieces across social media this week. When I was scrolling through at the airport this week and I came across um, Tulsa's tweet and I thought it was so cool. So they posted two pictures pictures of uh, New Mexico United's uh, visiting locker room this weekend and um, which is kind of like New Mexico United can see in the final minute and still leave the locker room as they found it first class organization and club and to me that is you know obviously they could have left that as as anything you know can see in the final minute you're you're pissed you know you wanted those points and um Instead, just really setting a good example for this league. And um, kudos to Tulsa for for giving them a shout as well, because obviously no one goes into that thinking like, you know, maybe we'll do this in hopes that we get recognized somewhere. Yeah, that's Brandon Morris right there. That's their their operations director. Um, class act, somebody who this, this, this typifies New Mexico in a lot of different ways, but especially, you know. I think we're very quick to compliment the brand and the club as a whole, but it is the people inside mm-hmm. that end up being the the ones who affect this. So, yeah, really cool to see. Love seeing that kind of stuff. Elsewhere across social this week, too, uh, USL Academy debuted its first ever USL Academy Cup. This one was in San Antonio. So shout out to all of our friends over there for giving uh, our, our HQ staff here a warm welcome and what was a, a fantastic event. And hopefully everyone has kind of seen the buzz around that this week. But a number of Western Conference clubs over there, especially a, uh, I want to give a shout out to Union Omaha because uh, fans and, and 
uh, clubs, everyone was able to get that first real look at their crest on a jersey. So their academy program out there as well. And what was a really a successful event and um, a lot of really great things to come out of the academy in years to come. Yeah, take my money, Union Omaha. <laughs> it's, it's a great All crest. It. It's so beautiful. Uh, and then, of course, Scott, we cannot go out of week 32 without giving a proper goodbye to Slugger Field, this club is 52-13-22 all-time at their home over five years at Slugger. So um, a, a historic run comes to an end. Obviously, great things ahead for the club, but a lot of memories over there at Slugger. And um, is there a better way to cap their their final game than an 8-3 result over Swope Park? Who just happens to be uh, the club that they beat in the 2017 USL Cup Final. Yeah. I, did you see their TIFO? Little TIFO? I didn't. Going, going, gone. Uh, nice little nice little home run. Their knocked TIFO it. game strong. Yeah, they knocked it out of the yeah. park for sure. It was uh, it was really cool. Um, yeah, a very unique venue, Slugger Field. I don't think anyone will disagree with that. And obviously thrilled to see the club moving into their own place in Butchertown. But yeah, if there was a final send-off, um, that was it. I mean, to the fact, too, that at one point you turn on the game and you're like, Louisville, what, like, what are you doing? What's going on? And you turn it on, what, 20 minutes later? And it goes from, what, being down 3-0 to just completely shaking up the game. I mean, 8-3 result, I believe, is is a club uh, league record, actually. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, just... Did, did anyone check it out of Mike Watts after that game? Yeah, we should... Send, send like a care package. Well, like, he did guy. that, and then he went and did Indiana University against Michigan on Sunday in Bloomington. So the guy just there's no rest for for Mike Watts ever. Send us some honey if you get a chance. Soothe the vocal cords a little bit. Ideally, we'll get Mike Watts to join us here down this postseason uh, stretch and have the man himself. Give Heard us he's been clamoring. Time. Yeah, hmm. we hear you, Mike Watts. Okay. <laughs> All right. Listen, we got we got some action happening. Week 33. This is it. We have six, or I should say five days of action, and uh, it is, it's going to be a good one. Your fate's going to be sealed. It is do or die. So let's talk some postseason scenarios in week 33. Birmingham, St. Louis, Charleston all suffer defeats in week 32, which you would think would be unfortunate. But instead, since they all lost, we are still left with all kinds of questions. So we've got two spots remaining in the Eastern Conference that are currently up for grabs. Scott, who are going to be the final two? So I really came out. He was not ready for that. No, I wasn't. This dead air is brought to you by. Yeah. <laughs> no, dead air is necessary sometimes. Just leave them hanging. Um, gosh, I would love to say St. Louis. I just don't feel super confident. I mean, the the nice thing for St. Well, the nice thing for Birmingham and Charleston is it's completely in their hands, right? And Charleston plays Memphis on Wednesday. Birmingham plays New York on Wednesday. Obviously, two different games and two different opponents that you're looking at for both these teams. But I think... Just the fact that St. Louis has a two-point cushion makes us the most interesting. I think it'll be St. Louis-Birmingham if I had to go down and, and write it off as so is. Charleston's postseason streak? History. I think ends. it's over. Yeah, I do. I mean, I think if they get three points out of Memphis, my, my tune probably changes with them hosting Bethlehem to close it out. But I see the Charleston-Memphis game as a 1-1, and I think that is kind of one of the final nails in the coffin for them. That's tough. 
I mean, you have two sides too that have struggled to to score goals. All and Memphis year long. isn't eliminated, and they're if technically non-mathematically eliminated. That so, is very true. That's just where we're at. Sadly, you've got to feel for Birmingham at this point too, because their next two matchups are against New York and Pittsburgh, which is just you're going into Week 33 with your hands full, guys. I mean. If you want to make it easy, you just win out your final two games mm-hmm. and you're in. They don't need to rely on anybody else. Obviously, that is much easier said than done. You're going off of two of the most you know, competitive teams in the Eastern Conference this entire season, um, a side like New York, who historically does well, uh, especially towards this time of year. It they, they I'm really interested to see what that game plan is on Wednesday. And they're not the only ones who have their hands full on Wednesday night. You have New Mexico United, mm-hmm. and then, of course, Charleston as well. New Mexico United honestly need all three points over Tacoma. If they are in, if they have all three points over Tacoma, they're in control, which is good. Um, if, they're, if not, fate is up in the air, and it's, they're leaving it up to everybody else. And obviously, if you, have, if you could control it at all, you, you want to have – you want to steer that ship. Um, obviously, Scott, I know you have some, some – Choice words for New Mexico at the moment, um, just to put this in perspective a little bit. New Mexico, Birmingham, Charleston, all games on Wednesday night. All three clubs are six points away from a postseason bid. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, finishing on the East, I think there it's just as possible that Birmingham loses out. And even a point for Charleston is what gets them over the line. That's kind of the crazy thing about Birmingham's next few games. For, for New Mexico... It is in their hands now, but I would not leave it to Saturday night against Vegas because I think like Vegas just seems like very true to their city, like the ultimate party crashers. And <laughs> if you don't get three points against Tacoma, I have every feeling that Vegas is like, well, if this is it for us, then we are going out with the biggest bang we can possibly produce. Even though they're at the lab on Saturday? I don't see why. I think Vegas is... Gritty enough and aggressive enough to throw New Mexico off their game and off their track. And if New Mexico needs a win on Saturday night, I think they get it. I think if New Mexico is trying to play the role of like, we'll just see how this goes. I am like, I guess what I'm trying to say is if New Mexico rises above San Antonio, they get three points and San Antonio needs the win on the final day in New Mexico is already not necessarily safe, but above the playoff line, I think that's where it gets kind of risky. Scenarios are kind of complicated when we're looking down to Saturday. Um, There's a lot coming into play here. If teams aren't just going to make it easy on all of us and win out, we have a lot of mathematical equations that Nicholas Murray is ready to run with. He already has them all prepared. Oh, yeah. Um, I've seen clubs like San Antonio, for instance, just completely lay it out in a graphic for all their fans, which is super nice. It makes it really easy for all involved. Um, But there's four spots remaining here in the Western Conference, so a lot more to work with than we have right now in the East. I think that we have to shift focus immediately to uh, Tuesday night. Mm. Uh, Big matchup there between El Paso and Portland. El Paso and Austin are the closest right now to to locking in that postseason spot. They're only a point away. So El Paso draw tonight. You went. You're Mm -hmm. in. You know? Um, So, I mean, obviously I think that they would much rather take those three points at home. uh, Especially, you know, Portland's coming off of, of that loss to San Antonio. So, I I look at El Paso's chances on Tuesday night, and I'm I'm really optimistic. I think with with them locking in that that bid this week. Yeah, realistically, I think we're really playing for two spots in the West. I think Austin and El Paso. While yeah. you can't 
write them in in Sharpie, you can at least pencil them in and make yourself feel good about that. It really is L.A., San Antonio, and New Mexico. I'm sorry, Vegas. I'm sorry, Portland. I, I think that while mathematically you're not out, I think you're just kind of below that line. So I think we're in the same vein as where we're at in the East. I think it's three teams, two spots. New Mexico has two games. San Antonio and L.A. have one apiece this weekend. We'll see. Whereas we have teams right now that need to rise the occasion and, and get points. We've got a Phoenix side that already has them in hand, and they're just kind of mm-hmm. hanging out, and uh, they're going to have a celebration of their own on Friday night. And that's not even counting all of the Bud Lights that are going to be consumed. Um, our own Jake Edwards is going to be on hand this Friday to award Phoenix with their regular season title trophy. So that's going to be really awesome. Um, just Honestly, a really cool way for this club to cap off what's been an absolutely incredible, historic, and entertaining season. So looking forward to um, Friday night and, and getting some really cool photography and I'm sure champagne popping and all the good stuff out of Phoenix. And regardless, even if they don't, sorry, if they don't set the wins and points record, what a season. Yep. Every bit deserved. Does the dollar beer night streak live on? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, see, I just, I'm not even going to comment. Congrats, Phoenix. And we know we know what happens when I comment on Phoenix's streak. Yep. So we're just Congrats, gonna Phoenix. We're, we're gonna let that roll. That's awesome. We have uh, we we've waited for this week. Um, obviously, of course, we're gonna cap off the, the 2019 regular season with a with a Sunday matinee because how else would we go out of, of 2019 season? So uh, Pittsburgh, Birmingham are gonna be over in the B Ham on Sunday. Pittsburgh can lock in a number one overall seed with a win over Birmingham on Sunday. So whereas um, scenarios are kind of all over the place come Sunday, whether or not this game's going to have any implications or not, keep in mind that um, Pittsburgh can lock in that seed. And then when it comes to those matchups and that that postseason formation, the bracket and everything, that's extremely important. So Week 33 is here. I'm, for one, super excited. And um, finally, we're going to get some answers because there's nowhere else to go after here. <laughs> We've got 20 teams uh, when we come in to work on Monday morning, and it's going to be a ride for the next four weeks. So I'm super stoked. Before we get out of here, though, Matt Calvo, we've got to end the regular season with some shots fired. Wow, so in the regular season, the regular I know season. it's so crazy. It's the last regular season shots fired mm-hmm. topic. So we were talking uh, briefly before the before we started recording about uh, the movie The Joker that came out uh, recently, and uh, it just had me reflecting on when Heath Ledger was named as the Joker in the Dark Knight series and how uh, opposed to that I was. Mm-hmm. And then I saw it, and he was of course brilliant and won an Oscar, well deserved for it. Um, so that made me think, what were you wrong about? I'm not wrong often. I just like would like to preface this. Uh, I think this is mo- mainly for my own amusement <laughs> to find out from the two of you what, yeah. something that you were wrong about so that I can hold it over your head uh, for years to come. Yeah, I don't mind going so, first. I was going to say I'm wrong so often. I'm like, but, so, uh, I'm waiting yeah. through. See, that's like, I'm never wrong. So like the one time <laughs> I was, I just, I already know. Uh. He hates me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so I was wrong about Heath Ledger as the Joker. Kelsey Steele, in 30 seconds, what were cool. you wrong about? Go. Um, was completely wrong about Lady Gaga and A Star is Born. Um, they cast somebody who wore meat suits and dresses to award shows, who was 
just outrageously different and um, we had never seen her in an acting role as well. So I was really, um, I, had, I had no idea what to expect. I didn't think that she was going to be able to, to deliver in a role that really tapped into your emotions like this. And obviously she just completely shut down all of the critics and is still one of my favorite movies. Lady Gaga. Star is born. A star was born. A star was born. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of interested to see if uh, she takes any other big time roles after what she had in A Star is Born because she set the bar so high mm. after her performance. Have you have you seen it? You're kind of looking I, at I, me with this like, not, oh my God. Scott, have you seen it? I have. It's okay, a great movie. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. I have not seen okay. A Star is Born. Wow. That's that. I hope that doesn't hinder my W. It shouldn't because I think that's actually a pretty good answer. Oh, thank you. That's so wow. nice. Wow. Can you're I not, get like 30 more seconds? <laughs> he needs 30 more seconds. <laughs> I just don't know like what I can say. Like I'm wrong so much, Matt. There's not a single instance I can pick out where I'm like, wow, I was really, all right, I got it. We're good. It doesn't have to be a movie casting. By it's the not, way. don't worry. By the way. Oh, sorry, I, t- I took. No, me. that's fine that, that you picked that. I just wanted to clarify that it can be <laughs> literally anything in the universe that you were wrong about. I won't need 30 seconds, so. I apologize for the short argument. Um, I was wrong in thinking that a few years ago, the U.S. men's national team would get a point against Trinidad and Tobago. Um, Thought they could go down and get it done. They had like two games, and then the Trinidad and Tobago one was obviously the the make or break, and I was wrong. I was very wrong. He didn't need 30 seconds. Ouch. That, that one hurts. Oh. When I thought about it, I just was like, that's the one. You were wrong. Dang, yeah. If I I wish I would have known it wasn't a movie route. Oh, does that open things up? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. You're not wrong that often. You're Kelsey. Scott. Yeah, I'm wrong for thinking that the Bengals could win a first round playoff game. <laughs> you both laugh, but I'm serious. I've made a plenty of ridiculous you, claims. I'm, I'm laughing because knowing you. The fact that you actually felt that to begin with is so off-brand. <laughs> <laughs> that is very off-brand. I'm not a super optimistic person. <laughs> Certainly not about Cincinnati sports. <laughs> oh, all right. Hand it over, Calvo. Uh, yeah. With all due respect to Scott and his 20-second argument, uh, I got to go with Kelsey on that one. Yes! That was a strong, it was a strong case. You should really see the movie though. Like she was incredible in that movie. It it completely like shifted my um like how I viewed Lady Gaga. Like I really respect her now as an artist. Not that I did it before. I just it's hard to respect somebody wearing a meat suit. You know what I mean? I'm just not sure it's my vibe of movie. I mean, I can I I watch plenty of movies that aren't my vibe of movie. I watch yeah. plenty of movies period. So, I'm sure I'll watch it at some point. It's just not one that I feel like I would go out of my way. See, when you led with wow. the Joker Same. and the Dark Knight, I was terrified you were going a Marvel route. Do you, do you know how badly I wanted to go? I like, know. And you know that like I would have sat here with just crickets. Yeah. yeah it it would have been. I'm trying to help you out, though, Kelsey. <laughs> I appreciate that. Kelsey Steele with her dub heading into the final week of the regular season. So who else is going to join her? That was oh. great. That, that oh. was good. Yeah. Guys, for Kelsey Steele, Scott Stewart, Matt Cavill, that's it for episode 21 of Steel Sometime. We'll catch you in uh, week one of the 2019 postseason. 